this project so bigger than me as an artist. This is not about me, right? This is not Rachel Wilkins' art career. This is a tool. What we're doing right now and this work, and I say we, and I keep referring to the series as we because it's not me. The artwork may be the catalyst and the vehicle to tell these stories, and that's fine. Because if it, if it changes one person's perspective, then it's a success. This is Studio Confessions, the art podcast. I am your host, Luis Martin, the art engineer. Listen in for conversations with artists and culture makers as we talk about their creative practice and what moves them. Let me share my wax poetic monologues and how to activate your creativity to live an inspired and more beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're here. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Luis. What's up? How are you? I'm marvelous. You look refreshed and ready to go. I, I can feel it. It's nice to talk about art, right? Yeah. It's always a refreshing thing to do. Listen, I am so moved by your recent project, uh, mm. Shoulders of Giants, and I was lucky enough to be part of that. Can you tell us a little bit about the scope of this, I want to say kind of monumental project you took on? Yeah, it's funny that you say monumental because I was just thinking this morning about the pressure that I put on myself in this project. And I think you and I have kind of had conversations around what, you know, the things that happened during quarantine, right? And the things that have happened as a result of this pandemic. And I realized through actually a conversation with you during your birthday party that a lot of what I've been doing and putting these kind of deadlines and, you know, big projects in my life is kind of a control mechanism, mm. right? Because there's so much craziness going on in the world right now and so much uncertainty that I put this, you know, 30 paintings in 30 days project on myself without really thinking, oh my God, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so monumental is right. Um, it's been an absolute amazing journey, but it's been a lot of work. What was the biggest surprise for you? You know, I think the biggest, well, the two things really, I think one is how little I knew. Mm. Um, and two is the, the amount of bias in our own community. Mm. That one has been a little bit of a kick up to me. So shoulders of giants was basically every day you created a painting, mixed media, that spotlighted, spotlit, spotlighted, a heroine hero leader in the LGBTQ community, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And how big were these paintings? So they're pretty big. So, you know, one of the things that kind of came out of quarantine for me is I started working on large scale paper. Um, actually, this piece you see behind me is about nine foot tall. And it was mainly kind of a cost reason, really, because, you know, buying big canvases is so expensive. And I was working on wood for a little while. And while that's a lot cheaper, it's also really bulky. And I don't have a huge studio. So I started to work on paper. And there was something about working on paper that felt a little bit less final than working on a canvas or working on wood. Like, so I felt a lot more free in my process, like in how I was a, a, approaching the work because it didn't feel like, oh, this has to be perfect. So I was really able to just experiment with, you know, what I was, you know, the, the different uh, approaches, the different mediums, the different materials. 
So the pieces are 53 by 40 ish, kind of around that that meat that size, which is like three foot by four foot. You're in so, New York City. You're in the New York area. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's colossal for uh, the tri-state area. <laughs> And it's actually presented a little bit of a challenge for framing them because obviously they are so large. So the frames are coming out, you know, a little bit on the higher end and they have to be custom built. So that's kind of something I didn't really foresee. But it's just it's such a I don't know. I've never really been able to work small. Like I can do it kind of here and there. But when I really have something that I'm passionate about, I need to see it like in like not life size, but I need to see the impact of it, you know. So. It's been really fun, but getting to the point when you have 30 of these in your apartment and they're, you know, this monumental size, I had to build a whole rig in my studio where I could store them, where they wouldn't be in sunlight. And wow. Yeah. So I don't it's know, an experience. I don't know if I could name 30 <laughs> leaders, heroes, heroines in the LGBT community. How did you go about finding them? So it's really interesting because initially, you know, the reason kind of the motivation behind the project was I every every time around this year, this time, every every year around this time, even I start to think about Edie Windsor because Edie was just she's my hero. She's my wife and I. We, we have a very personal connection to Edie and that, you know, the the action that she took to sue the U.S. Uh, government. Uh, to, you know, strike down the Defense of Marriage Act really had an impact on our life, like a monumental impact. It allowed me to stay in the U.S. with my wife, it allowed her to sponsor me for my green card, which at the time I was, you know, my status was that I would have had to leave pretty soon. So it was a huge, huge thing. So I think about her every year and, you know, I started to think I really want to do a painting of Edie. I really want to create something that honors her. And so, you know, I did this one piece and I was like, wow, like this feels like exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I thought, but there's so many other people in this movement, you know, the, the LGBTQ movement and, the, and the, um, the quest for LGBTQ rights that I only really know the names of. I don't know the stories. And so I started to think about other people who were, you know, instrumental in moving us forward and allowing me and you and, you know, our partners to move around the world freely. And I kind of came up with these, the big, the big six, I want to call them. So it was like Harvey Milk, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, obviously, as, as you know, you wrote a beautiful letter. Um, Laverne Cox, somebody more contemporary, but certainly, you know, uh, a real voice for change and acceptance. And um, Bayard, Bayard, Bayard Rustin as well. So, you know, I started to do my research and, you know, found out just amazing things about the contributions that these people have made. And I thought, you know, I feel something doesn't feel right about me telling their story because I can't speak to the experience of a trans person. I can't speak to the experience of a person of color or, you know, anybody who's not a cis white lesbian. I have no business telling that story. Right. So that was really where the idea came that let me reach out to people that I know and, and, you know, have gotten to know in the community over the years and see if they would be interested in contributing a letter. And I was just absolutely overwhelmed by the response. 
like it was amazing powerful i mean i think it's one thing to have a have a creative inquiry right which which is so important for people to embark on but then to kind of invite people in and give Mm -hmm. them an opportunity to be part of your work is so powerful and you were able to do that in such a balanced way because sometimes it's hard to collaborate you're worried about okay i don't want to take this the the message behind what i'm doing and and give it away too much but you were able to create a perfect balance of to give your work its space and also create an opportunity for others to come in and, and, and give their perspective. Um, I was so touched to be able to write my letter to Sylvia Rivera. And while I was familiar with her, with her story, with her journey, to have the, to have an excuse and a purpose to, to really dive in a little bit more was one really painful <laughs> and two so enlightening and recharging to be like, Oh, right. We literally are standing on these people's shoulders and mm-hmm. we're kind of, and, and this is from another saying, we're kind of drunk on the well that they dug, you know, like we owe so much and we can keep going. What has been some of the reaction from some of the other artists you collaborated with? So, well, it's interesting because it was not just artists. It was, I started initially with artists and then I really just expanded my my search to people that I'd gotten to know in all aspects of life. And I think what the most interesting thing was, and I think that this is why it was just perfect timing to do this, was how moved people were by what was happening right in that moment in time, right? You know, if this happened just, like I started the project right after George Floyd had, had passed away. So there was this, you know, this rise of unrest and, you know, just this raw kind of palpable energy in the world, right? You know, we've gone through this pandemic and now, you know, yes, we're, again, people are saying Black Lives Matter, like this is this is real. This is people are angry right now. So a lot of the letters that I got back really reflected that. You know, that emotion was like, I can't believe I'm having to say this again, but here we are, you know, we're here again. Yes, Stonewall was a riot, right? How many times have we seen that, you know, on social? Stonewall was a riot. It was a riot. You know, it was it was an uprising based on the on police brutality, right? And how many of us how many of our community know that? I didn't really understand that. You know, I, I'm i guilty of thinking, yay, a pride parade, some gay people did something, and now we have a big celebration. It was police brutality. Absolutely. You know, and that's the reality of that. And it was because we, as or gay people at that time, were being abused. And that's what's happening in society today for the, you know, for people of color. And so it just felt very very timely um to do this and and so many of those letters just really really reflected that so that was that was just an incredible thing to see i think also giving a platform to to do that to champion these these uh, heroes um at this moment is so important because it's so easy to just to be really angry and and kind of give in you know, especially as, as artists, we're, we're sensitive to things that are happening and it weighs, it's heavy, especially if you've been aware of this, right? So to be able to be constructive, to be productive with your time and not only that, but also give a platform, I think is, is commendable on your part to, because it, it's, it takes energy. It really takes energy to not only be creative, but also to connect with people on a level that's uplifting, not just commiserating on how horrible things are, right? So I really got that 
in, in working with the project. So thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. Thank you for being involved. I think, I think one of the biggest discoveries for me, like going through this was once I got kind of five or six into the projects, like five or six of 30, I was like, this project is so big, so much, so bigger than me as an artist. Like this is not, this is not about me, right? This is not Rachel Wilkins art, art career. This is a, this is a tool like what we're doing right now and this work. And I say we, and I keep referring to the series as we, because it's not me, right? The artwork may be the catalyst and the vehicle to tell these stories. And that's fine. Like I am totally fine with that because if it, if it changes one person's perspective or if it informs somebody who, you know, like me was not aware of certain people who, you know, allow me to live my life this way, then it's a success. You know, and it's not about getting some kind of, I don't know, you know, increasing my credibility or my street or, you know, selling it. It's about what it can accomplish. Absolutely. And it really felt that way. Um, let me ask you a funny question. Do you think mm -hmm. the project would have looked different if you had created it in England in, at mm -hmm. home? Ooh, I think I would have looked different if I'd have still been there. That's that's a, an interesting question. Um, I think that being in New York, where the Stonewall riots happened, and spending a lot of time there, when I first moved to New York, I lived in that neighborhood. Like, I think there's something, there's a heartbeat there, right? There's a heartbeat at that little crossroads, right? At Christopher Street and... Um, Sheridan Square. Sheridan Square, thank you you know, with the statues and, you know, there's just, there's a sense of this is the center of the gay universe right here. So I would say, I, I, not that there are not people, you know, in the UK that, that I would have perhaps focused on, but I think that having that experience of living here and being here and getting to know, you know, the community that that really is part of the spark that inspires, you know, the, this exploration. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, I'm, I'm all about decentralizing uh, New York. Uh, I think it's a little overrated and overpriced, but there's definitely something to see the space and to be in that energy. And those sculptures uh, that are by George Seagal, mm -hmm. these white sculptures that kind of look like ghosts in time, are, are so important because you're right. It does feel very palpable. And even though there is, it's definitely a party scene because it's like their clubs or their, their bars, in the stillness of it, you, it's, it's a charged energy, right? Like this heartbeat you're talking about. Absolutely. So those, sorry. No, go ahead. I just want a little tidbit there. So those, um, George, um, oh my gosh, I always forget his last name. Seagal, Seagal. Seagal, yes. His sculptures. Um, I've actually met the two women that modeled for the, wow. for the couple. Yeah, they're actually a friend of a friend. Uh, Les, their names are Leslie and Beth, and they're in their late 60s now at this point, and they're still together. How amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. So they have a crazy story. Their story is like actually she's just uh, having her, her life story. Leslie's had her their life story published uh, by a publisher, so you're probably going to see a little bit more about that. But, yeah, they were the original models that posed for that. It's kind of crazy. That's so beautiful, right? Because like, we, even now, you know, we don't see enough of these like happy ever after stories of mm -hmm. gay couples, of lesbians, of, of, of just people that don't look like Cinderella mm -hmm. and the Prince, right? <laughs> so it's really beautiful to hear about these things. And I mean, 
yeah, I, I'm just, it's, it's really beautiful to have these stories uh, being told. Do you need help? Are you an artist or want to be? But can you use a guide, a cheerleader, and a coach? I'm excited to announce that I'm now officially coaching artist. Let's work together on a project-based, result-driven outline to get you into a state of prolific flow. Because artists like us don't seek validation. We create our own opportunities to shine. Go to prolificflow.com and drop me a line. Now is our time. Let's work together. Really curious, what's what's the next step? Because it's such a big project and I feel like it has so many other it can live on so many other levels. I have my own ideas. But what what are some of your ideas of, of how this can um reach? Sure. So I think I think the first thing is that I want it to be like like I mentioned, I want it to be a tool for education. So a tool to expand people's, you know, opinions or change biases, hopefully, um, or for people to reflect a little bit and understand their history. So I would like it to be, you know, obviously it's a little bit of a weird time in terms of what the institutions are scheduling for shows and things like that. But hoping to get it into some kind of institution, you know, hopefully something to do with LGBTQ history rights, you know, whatever that may look like. I am in contact with a couple of museums um, just at the pitching stage right now. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, and then, you know, I don't feel like it's done. Like, I feel like there's so much more to and so many unsung heroes that perhaps I wouldn't discover in my research. And that that's actually been and twisters you know when i've when i started to talk about this online i had somebody come up to me or digitally come up to reach out to me and say you know that you really should do something on this person here's here's their contribution and here's how they really are affecting my life right now you know so that's been really amazing and that's actually why i created the piece of um cecilia gentili gentili she's um a transgender activist based in queens and she's doing the work right now you know, and that's like, that's kind of where I feel that we will go. We'll like, you know, we'll continue to do this. And, you know, I have this kind of weird goal in my head and <laughs> you're probably going to laugh at me about this, but it's a weird thing that's been on my bucket list since I was about five years old. I want to have a Guinness world record. It's the cheesiest, <laughs> stupidest thing ever. Yes, do it. I stand by you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wouldn't this be really cool if this could be the biggest standalone collection of individuals who contributed to LGBTQ advancement ever? Yes. Now that would be really, really cool. I love that. Well, that's not like a you know a Guinness World Record of like who can eat the most marshmallows, <laughs> which maybe I'll go down that road instead because I'll probably be really good at that. <laughs> but I think you can do both, honestly. One will feed the other, I'm sure. But I mean, so I'm I'm a huge mystic. I am a huge proponent of the tarot. I love the tarot, the images. So in thinking of your project, I'm like, wow, these would be beautiful cards, mm. you know. And and to be able to, and you know, with the tarot, you you can kind of pick a card and just meditate on it, and, and each one has its own meaning. So to to randomly be able to pick a saint, a, a gay hero, a queer hero, a transgender hero, and tap into that energy is so powerful. Um, because it's a tool of meditation. It's a tool for usually people who don't have power, right? Um, so yeah, I I just think it's kind of genius. There's just so many things you can do uh, with it. And I'm really excited to see what you will do with it.
Yeah, and I think that you know, the, with the amount of letters and the and the just the like how poignant the letters are and how profound the letters are for people to read that even in a book. Like, I think that there's a possibility that you know, if I can, once we, I think we have about 24 letters at this point, so we don't have the full 30 yet. But I think once we get to that point, that I would maybe start to reach out to some publishers. But you know, that one of the big things about this project that has been amazing and and again why it's not just about me as an artist is that we're donating 50 percent of the profits so anything that sells 50 percent is going right to, to the task force which is the lgbtq task force and they're doing amazing work you know and they're not hugely funded so you know the work that they're doing is you know real issues faced by our community it's like homelessness it's education it's healthcare. so you know, I hope that if we do do anything commercial with it, which I think, you know, is possible, um, that we would continue to be able to, you know, pick at least, you know, a nonprofit that really needs the help and then donate whatever we can to them. Absolutely. Now, what advice would you give to an artist out there that is planning to do an ambitious undertaking of just creative inquiry? What, what, are, what are your three um, tips that you've learned from this experience? One of the biggest things that somebody taught me once was say yes and figure out how to do it afterwards. <laughs> sure. And I think that's probably how I've like run my businesses, how I've run my life. Like there, you know, we always assume that we, we shouldn't do something until we're quote unquote ready. Guess what? You're not ever going to be ready right. to do it. So, you know, put the commitment out there and, you know, just do it, just get to work. And, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, as long as you are willing to, you know, do, do the legwork, which is, you know, it's going to take some legwork, something like an inquiry like this. Um, but, and also make sure, make sure it's something that you're really passionate about. You know, one of the, the beautiful things about creating this work was for each subject while I created it, I either listen to a podcast about that person mm. or, uh, you know, for example, when I created, you know, the piece of Melissa Etheridge, I listened to her music for like two days. Like I was so absorbed in the subjects that it didn't feel like work. So I think, you know, it's got to be something that you're passionate about. Absolutely commit to it before you do it, uh, before you, uh, before you're ready. And then, you know, I think one of the biggest, uh, and this is more on the kind of the business side of things, but you know, start the business side of it as soon as you start the project, like start making those connections, start to reach out to your network, you know, let people know what you're doing, tell the press, put out a press release, like don't wait to be like, and now I have this amazing collection, like get those wheels in motion, like right away. Um, and you've got much more of it, you know, a chance of this being featured or, you know, the word growing about, about what, what it is. That I'm so glad you said that because I think a lot of times as artists, you know, we kind of uh, put the cart in front of the horse. Is that is that a saying? You know, it, we totally forget. We don't we don't forget. We put it off because it's a scary endeavor, and it's just such a nice space to be in the creative milieu with the music and in the dirty hands. But it's so important, I think, especially right now, as everything is shifting. You, we have so much leverage now. Mm -hmm. to decide how it's what it's going to look like and opportunities yep. for business who you do business with it doesn't have to be the galleries anymore it doesn't have to be anyone it can, you choose so i think that's such an amazing uh tip so thank you for
And one last little tip on that would be the rule of 15. So if you can do something for 15 minutes a day to move your art business forward, what is your art business going to look like in 90 days? What is it going to look like in a year? Yes. I just said that to somebody yesterday. I am so glad you – and you're right. And what is 15 yeah. minutes? It's not even a whole sitcom. You know, like <laughs> – yeah, and you can do a lot in 15 minutes. You can send 10 emails in 15 minutes if you if you work smarter, not harder. You know, if you template your press release, then send you could send that to 15 media outlets. If you do that for a week, you're going to get a hit. It's just inevitable. Absolutely. Oh, I love so that. I love that. that's more on the business. I can't help but switch into art business. Well, it's so when important. I'm an artist, you know. It's so important, and it's not my – it's not it's not how I operate automatically. I really have to like you know turn the vinyl disc over so I can like play that. Um, but you you brought it up. I was I took your free masterclass, and I was just blown away by how much value and information you were giving. And, and I don't mean to plug you, but I really am because I was. You brought up some things that I was like, oh shoot, you're right. I shouldn't put all my eggs in this basket. I should diversify. You know what I mean? And it's it's just really good to speak with artists who are willing to share that knowledge. You mm -hmm. know. Uh, so thank you for that as well. And I'm just thinking, yeah. thank you, thank you. Absolutely, uh, it's fantastic. Um, and how do artists reach you for that for for the business aspect? So, well, my signature course is Art Biz Bootcamp. So that's just artbizbootcamp.com. We did just close the class, but we're going to open it again in October. Um, we close it really so that I can be kind of alongside my that particular class for six weeks because I, I do six weeks of coaching calls. So I don't want it to be, you know, people coming in at different times. So we're going to open it again in October. Um, and then, you know, I do these free kind of pop-up things here and there, one-day workshops and, uh, and classes. Um, the best way to really keep up with them would be to look up uh, – let me give you the correct information – on uh, Facebook, we have a free group, which is just Sell Your Art Masterclass. It looks like that. You can see that. Fantastic. I'll put a picture of it. Yeah. So we, we do some pop-up things in there and little you know, giveaways and freebies and things. And then obviously that's where you would learn about any classes that we have coming up as well. That's great. But that's fantastic. So if you're listening, please uh, look into it. And I wouldn't endorse anything that I don't fully believe in. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I appreciate that. You. Um, I'm excited for you not to get, you know, to, to pull you into this, but I'm going to. You're starting to teach as well. I am. And we were just talking about it. So I've been doing it forever, right? I, I've been working with artists all my life. I've been really lucky. Um, and along the way, I kind of became, you know, when you're a curator, you kind of become a therapist. You learn how to yeah. pull people's hands. And when you come from a turbulent background, you learn how to cope with things and just make them work. So these two yeah. components just really... Uh, I've always been able to, to, to work with artists and, and help them out the best way I can. And in doing like a, a review of that, I realized, oh, this is a service that I should be offering and, and structuring it. So it's not only beneficial for one side or the other, but this is, it's kind of like baking a cake, right? Like how selfish of me to bake this cake and only give it to a friend of mine. So it, it's, it's opening it up and, and inviting people to the table. So yes, it, it's been really, really exciting to, to be able to work with artists on that level. That's amazing. It really is. And I mean, and I think, again, the timing, right? It's just such an important time for people to be like, okay, I can make things happen right now because all bets are off. All bets yep. are off, you know? Now, let me ask you to close. Did you write a letter to somebody yourself? 
I did not. Um, purely because I felt like I have so much of a hand in the, the art side of it um, that I chose not to. If I were to write one, it would be to Edie. And, well, fortunately, I got to actually thank her in person a couple of times. I actually met her three times on three separate occasions. But there's just there's see now this is difficult because I'm in your shoes now. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's yeah, so, I cried. I cried as I was writing my letter. <laughs> yeah, so much weight like in what I would want to say, like how you fundamentally changed everything about my life, everything that I have today, you know, spiritually, emotionally, my mental health, um, my sobriety, like all of these things are because of the contribution that you made because you were fearless and fierce. And you, as an octogenarian took on the mighty US government, like how do you ever, how do you ever say thank you? You know, one of the most beautiful, beautiful things to come out of this this whole experience is that um, Edie actually remarried and later in life, like three years before she passed away, and her spouse actually bought the piece. Oh, wow. So, you know, I actually get to drive out there probably next week and take the piece to the house where Edie lived, and that piece is going to hang on her wall. And talk about a full circle moment. That's amazing. You know? So there, there's so much I would want to say, and perhaps I will at some point, you know, contribute from that side. But I just felt like my heart was so in that painting that, you know, that that was my way of expressing it to her. Well, well done. And I'm, I'm so honored to have the opportunity to say thanks on my end. Um, um, and, uh, so grateful. I'm excited to see where this goes. So, Me too. Rachel, thank you for your time, and we'll chat again soon. Thank you, Louis. It's always a pleasure. Want to share your thoughts on the conversation? Reach out on Instagram at StuConPodcast or visit the website studioconfessions.com. Follow me and check out my work at Art Engineer. Please leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It goes a long way. Thanks for listening. If you heard anything that moved you, please share it. You are the spark that can ignite a thousand flames. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer, sharing with you what moves me.